Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to another episode. Um, before I get started, I just want to thank everyone. I've only um, put out, at this point, three episodes, and I want to thank everyone for just even like commenting, um, messaging me, um, just the encouraging comments, even suggestions, um, even like commenting on the episode, like putting, like giving me like their thoughts and um, two cents with the topic itself. I appreciate it. Um, podcasting has definitely been something I thought about for a long time and it took me a long time to get there. Um, at first it was just, I didn't have the drive to do it. It was just like a nice idea, but I didn't have a drive to. Then I became, because I'm a mom, <laughs> that in itself is a whole um, process to get through. Um, but just thank you. Thank you guys for encouraging me to keep going. And, um, I appreciate it. I hear you. I appreciate it. And once again, thank you. Um, this episode doesn't have a clever title. It's simply postpartum depression. And for some people, they don't want to hear about it. And for some people, they might be pregnant and they want to know if um, what they could possibly expect. Not everyone goes through it, but some people, some women do go through it. Um, I went through it all three preg. I went through it after all three pregnancies, and in my last pregnancy, I was depressed during the pregnancy. Um, so that was definitely a new experience um, with Brielle. So I have three kids. If you don't know. Um, um, I have a six-year-old, I have a four-year-old, and I have a two-year-old. Two boys, one girl. Um, and it was definitely something I knew was going to happen. I wasn't surprised. I wasn't uh, shocked. I do I do have a history of depression. Um, in high school, I suffered from depression. College, suffered from depression. Um, a little before I started talking to Keaton, I, I went back into heavy depression. Um, it got to the point where I was a cutter. Um, definitely thoughts of suicide. Like every cliche that comes along with depression, I think I've experienced it. Um, I'm very thankful that I'm not in that state of mind anymore. Of course, I think I'm going to always struggle with... Um, down days and sometimes Keaton calls them down weeks <laughs> but I'm not where I was and I'm very thankful for that um the reason why I want to talk about this topic I don't think especially in Christendom that we talk about postpartum depression I think it's kind of like that um cousin that we don't ever talk about we like we know that cousin is coming to like uh, a family reunion, but we never talk about him. We never, we don't even talk to him while he's there. Um, I think my first experience with postpartum depression, not my personal experience, there was this lady at church, she was really going through it. And um, it didn't look like people were helping her. It was kind of like, oh, she just needs to pray more. And I think if you've ever been depressed or even suffered from postpartum depression, when people just throw that that line, oh, I just think you need to pray more, it's kind of like a slap in the face. Because especially with postpartum depression, like your body just went through a huge hormonal change. Like it, when you're pregnant, your body goes through a huge change. And after 
you deliver, you're going through a huge change, not only physically, mentally, emotionally, it's just a rough process. And that is just minimizing it. I mean, some women, they're able to just snap back, not only physically, mentally, and emotionally. And, you know, kudos to them. I I wish I had that experience, but I didn't. Um, it was very rough. Um, the first time I, I knew, like I said, I knew I was going to experience postpartum depression just because of my background. And they, they, they say that. They say um, 75% of women that have experienced depression before getting pregnant most likely will um, experience postpartum depression. So I wasn't blinded, nor was I shocked. I was just shocked at how it manifested. Uh, Before having it, you you hear women do some things and you're just like, what the heck? I would never. That's why I, I have a friend that says, never say never. And she always says it to me. You know who you are and I know you're listening. She always says it to me whenever I'm like, yo, I'm not doing that. She's like, oh, Antoinette, never say never. I mean, we've been through this process. But like, that was one of the things I said, I would never even think that or even want to do that. But I'm telling you, my friends, I am telling you, um, especially with Malloy, like, because that was my first experience, I couldn't believe the thoughts that I was thinking. And it got to the point where... um, I had to tell my midwife. I think I was already like kind of like discharged from her. And so, no, the beginning I told her, like, I think within the first couple of days, I kind of felt different. And, you know, she's like, you're just probably experiencing baby blues. And that is, um, there's like three forms or way postpartum depression manifests. Baby blues is one of them. Um, regular postpartum depression, like you go through like emotional changes. And the other one is postpartum psychosis. And that's where like you're 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 struggling with serious mental illness. So with Malore at the beginning, I was definitely dealing with baby blues. Like I was just a little sad here and there. Um I was tired, of course, because lack of sleep, first newborn. I didn't really I just kind of threw away schedule out the window because I didn't have anyone to deal with except for one child. So I was, you know, I was experiencing little things and I and I told her and she's like, okay, here are some numbers you can call. And I was just like, oh, okay, whatever. I've dealt with depression. I'm fine. And I kid you not, in a matter of weeks, postpartum depression hit hard. Like I remember and I told Keaton, like I, this is for me and I want you guys to understand this. I don't care what you think. <laughs> I'm just um, speaking my truth and it's either you can judge me or sympathize with me or just kind of take it for what it is. It's up to you. But um, I've always said this podcast is uh, no hold bars and I'm going to continue going forward with it because these are my experiences. They're my truth and I don't really care if you choose to judge me from it. So I remember this one particular time, I think Malloy was probably maybe two months. It was two o'clock in the morning. Um, He was crying. I fed him. Um, He was fed. He was fine. He was still crying. Um, I changed him. He was cool. He was still crying. And I just remember saying, if I bash his head on the wall I think he'll stop crying and I think that's when it clicked to me that holy crap this postpartum depression is no joke it's really no joke and I think I sat there from for like about 10 minutes just shock at the thought because 
this is like it's not only is it your child but this is you like this person literally just came out of my body and to have thoughts like that about your own child it it it's something that will rock you to the core especially the first time you even like right now thinking about it that first time you kind of like experience such dark thoughts you're just kind of like holy crap if that's not a like telltale sign that you're like heading in the dark area I don't I don't know what is and I and something told me wake up Keaton but then I was like I can't because you know he has work soon and I think he was supposed to get up maybe an hour after so eventually Malloy uh stopped crying honestly that hour that I was out in the living room felt like weeks like that's how rough it was it was it felt horrible um, and I end up telling Keaton and he's like, do you want me to stay home? And he's like, from now on, if you, if you ever feel like that, um, just wake me up and I'll just take over. It doesn't matter if I have work. And I think, and, and I think when you have a partner that not only understands and not only understands their role in this situation, but it makes it a lot easier. I've heard stories where women told me that like, they have multiple kids and their partner doesn't even want to change diapers. Yeah, I'm just going to pause. Because that to me is ridiculous. Because I couldn't imagine going through postpartum and I need help. And you're telling me in so many words, only so many words, that this is your job and this is not what I do. I, I don't know where I'd be if I didn't have someone like Keaton. I, and I always say this. I say... If I got pregnant by someone else other than Keaton, I probably would have left already. I probably would have left. But I think it's because of his personality and just how he is as a person, why I got through it. And I remember saying to him when we moved, when we left Etobicoke and moved to Brampton, I think Malo was probably like nine months. And I was still somewhat having lingering, um, I guess, emotional stress with um with just being a mom um and I was like Tim I don't want to have any more kids like I I can't go through that again because it was a long journey that first story that I told you was when he was two months and that was not the last like there were so many different episodes of stuff like that happening where I was like I cannot do this again it's one thing to be to suffer from depression and you're harming yourself because I've been through that. I understand that whole mentality. Because you're not necessarily harming anyone else. You, it's, it's just you. You're putting it on you. You're dealing with it by yourself. But when you have a response, when you're responsible for another person and you're having thoughts about doing harming another person, it kind of puts you in a situation where it's just like, I don't want to be in an environment like this where this could possibly happen. And I think with postpartum depression, if you're not careful and you don't get help and you don't have the support, it can happen. Because you hear so many stories of women that, you know, harm their kids. And when you hear those stories and you've never been in that situation, you're like, I would never. But I understand. I understand. After having three kids, I understand. Um, With Avery, I don't remember having, like, dark thoughts like that but I do um I do feel like I had an and my midwife can attest to this I had an extend and even Keaton um extended baby blues I don't think it went into like 
um, like hardcore postpartum like I did with Malloy because I think I, I knew I, I like it's one thing to know what postpartum might be because you suffer from depression but it, once you've experienced postpartum you kind of know what you're getting into the next time you have a baby so I already knew that was coming so I think I was better prepared um I had no choice but to come up with the schedule because I had a toddler um and I knew I was gonna have a newborn um I utilized my parents like it was nobody's business because this time around I lived in Brampton I wasn't in Etobicoke so I just kind of figured it out even though I did experience baby blues it wasn't as bad um and at this point, <laughs> me and Keaton, especially because the labor with Avery was so rough, me and Keaton were like, we're not doing this again. It, it can't happen again. And lo and behold, on like, like clockwork, two years later, I get pregnant again. Um, well, not two years later, 18 months later, I get, um, I have another baby. And during that pregnancy, I was depressed. I was so depressed. Um, I felt like I was back in high school. You could ask Keaton, there'd be times where I'm just like crying for no reason. Well, I knew why I was crying, but like I was just crying. Um, even when I would talk to my midwife, she could sense certain things are wrong. She would always ask me like, you know, is everything okay at home? And at the time I wasn't working. Um, I was a stay-at-home mom. I was dealing with two toddlers, hardly talking to adults. And the only time I ever um, was able to, to like have long conversation with adults was on Saturdays. And then it got to the point where all they wanted to talk to me about was pregnancy. And I just like, if you went to church with me, you know that there was like times where I never even went to church because I just didn't want to deal with it. I didn't want the conversation to be surrounded by pregnancy and I knew I was depressed during the pregnancy. So when I had Brielle, I already knew. I already knew postpartum was going to kick my ass. Like there was no, there was no ways around it. And lo and behold, I had Brielle and postpartum kicked my ass. And I had no choice but to pull up my socks. Because that year, um, Malloy was starting school. Um, so like a, a schedule with Avery, yeah, that's cool. But this schedule with Brielle was a whole nother, whole nother thing. I had to make sure um, her schedule aligned with his pickup schedule and his drop-off schedule. So it was just a, a mess. And it got to the point where I said to Keaton, I'm like, listen, I need a job. I need a job. Not because we need a job, but I need a job. I can't, I can't, I cannot stay here anymore. I can't stay here and be around people. Um... Be around, sorry, be around kids all day. I need to be around people. And he's like, I think you just need a vacation. So <laughs> we ended up going to Jamaica for the first time. And um, I think in Jamaica is where I had another episode. Him and my mom went to, um, they went out to get food. And I was in the house um, with three kids and Brielle just started wailing. I've never, I don't know if it was because it was hot or she as a child could sense it was a new environment, but she started wailing. And I just was like, I need to get out. But you can't go anywhere because you're in a whole new country you've never been in. And you can't leave your other two kids here. And I just remember when Keaton came in, I'm just like, where the frig have you been? How long does it take to get freaking juice? Like, I was just so pissed. And I was ready to just go back to Canada by myself. So I think that was one of like the last episodes that I had with Brielle. 
because immediately after that we came back and COVID hit. And I know everyone has like a horrible COVID story, but my COVID story is amazing. Um, because of COVID, Keaton stopped working. And as soon as he told me he stopped working, um, I'm like, okay, the five of us can't be this in apartment 24 seven. So I need to get a job. And I started working and, um, I haven't stopped since. So the point of all this is to say, um, postpartum is real. And I know, um, there are a lot of women going through it. And I know a lot of women have, um, overcome it and are, are overcoming it. And I think that's dope. But I think especially in Christendom, there has to be a conversation about it. Um, This whole attitude that, oh, depression is 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 demons or it's 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 not of God. Of course, God doesn't want you to be depressed. But let's let's be real. I know that uh, depression is something that happens to a lot of people, Christian or non-Christian. And it's not something that we could just sweep under the rug anymore because there are a lot of people suffering and um, going through it, especially in Christendom, and they don't feel like they could talk to anyone. I mean, I was one of them. Thank God. You know, I really want to shout out uh, Scarborough people because there are so much people in that circle that knew and not only knew and just kind of like never addressed it but they knew and they spoke up especially like when i was in high school going through it they spoke up and you know they were there for me and i don't think a lot of people had that experience when they were dealing with depression and i could only imagine what it's like as a black woman in christendom dealing with postpartum depression in silence because as black women we're, we're told to be strong. And as Christian women, we're told, um, give it all to God. And especially as Caribbean black Christian women, we don't talk about this stuff. We don't talk about this stuff. And I think, um, this is not the 1960s anymore. We don't have to hide our postpartum depression or even our depression, um, with smiles and makeup. I think it's time to be honest and real because we don't want another generation um, to fall under the trap of um, this is not normal. It's definitely something that happens. It's not one of those rare occurrences. There is a lot of women going through postpartum depression or even regular depression. And because of the culture that they're brought up in, it's not something that they have much information on. It's kind of that Oh, that's a white person's um, disease. Um, depression sees no color. It's definitely something that can happen to everyone. And I, I just want to give you guys um, telltale signs that you might be going through postpartum depression. Um, lack of sleep. Um, just the way we see ourselves in terms of like after um, having a baby and like just looking at ourselves and just feeling sad um, and overwhelmed. Um anxiety um and how be just being anxious with being alone with our kids um just being sometimes even alone period that is another sign that you might be struggling with um, postpartum depression and um one of the reasons why we do struggle with postpartum depression it's not because we're not praying enough or um there's a demon inside of us it's because like i said at the beginning your body just went through a big change like Hormone hormonal imbalance is why is one of the reasons why a lot of women struggle from a postpartum depression. And anytime one of my friends is pregnant, I always say to them, 
whoever the hell your healthcare provider is, anytime you might feel a little off, always consult them. I'm not saying go get drugged up because I never had to because I never wanted to. I never wanted to be um, reliant on anything because when you wean yourself off of drugs, it's it's horrible. It's horrible. Um, not much people know that, but for a year when I was at Humber, I was drugged up and I didn't like the feeling. I didn't like the feeling. And coming off of it was horrible. It was really, 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 really bad really bad and there's only so much drugs that they could possibly give you um after having a baby um and especially if you're breastfeeding so there are ways to cope with it and i think um the major way is to have a community that's willing to help you have a community that's willing to hear you and also uh see you because especially like with malloy my mom came and, and, you know, brought dinner. I don't think I cooked for like a good month, um, on a Sunday or a Saturday. Cause she came, she brought dinner all the time. You know, she, you know, she did a little grandmother stuff, but it wasn't until I had Avery where she took Malloy for like a whole week because going from one to two is rough, but it's even rougher going from two to three. So anytime I made that jump, my mom was always there. And if you know the history with my mom, it wasn't uh, the greatest, but it definitely had gotten better um, when I got married. So just to have that support uh, of someone helping you. And I don't know if she knew I was going through it. I mean, like, I think it was pretty obvious that I was having a rough time, especially since I'm coming from the background of a person who didn't want to have kids, who didn't want to get married, but I got married because I want to be with Keaton and I had kids because I wanted to give that to Keaton. So I think because it everything just happened so fast in terms of like having kids and all that stuff, I wasn't able to wrap my head around it. And I noticed um, with me, even though I like to jump off the cliff, if things that I'd never um, anticipated for happened so fast, like it's like a downward uh, spiral. And I think one another thing to kind of like help you with that is to know your triggers. So if um, breastfeeding or waking up at 2 a.m. to feed your child is going to be rough, you know, just ask your partner to kind of be like half sleeping in the bed with you or come outside in the living room um, to be with you out there. Like there, this is only for a time. And I and I and Keaton had to remind me of that, that um asking me asking him to help me in the morning time is only for a time because I'm not gonna ask him to do that when Malloy is sleeping through the night. It's something that I'm gonna only ask when he's a newborn. And he's always, always, always um reinforced the fact that this is not a one-man job. Like we're both going through it. Yes, he might not be going through the 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 trials that I'm going through as a mother, just like because of like hormonal imbalance and the fact that I'm breastfeeding and I'm like my body's going through a whole bunch of changes and I'm wearing this freaking diaper for six weeks. He understands that, but Keaton from day one has always put in a hundred percent and I and I cannot stress that enough it's nice to have your mom come over and help you it's nice to have your friend come over and help you it's nice to have people come over and shower you with gifts but if and, and but if you are married or you have a partner and they are just giving you 20 percent and you're just you feel like you're giving 
you're you're putting in a hundred and they're just giving twenty, it is going to feel like an uphill battle. I've heard way too many stories of women who are kind of left to figure it out on their own while their spouse's life does not change. And I cannot tell you how sad it is to hear stories like that. And these are not just stories that I Googled. I'm talking about people that I know personally. And it's like, and I'm a type of person that's just like, that doesn't make sense to me. I'm like, in that in that aspect, I'm that privileged white girl that I just can't comprehend how, how you can be suffering and struggling like that and you didn't lay on your back and get pregnant by yourself. I don't understand that. So above all, your main support has to be from your spouse. And and our ladies, I want to say this. Men don't read minds. Okay? If I had not told Cole, hear me about Cole. If I haven't told, if I didn't tell Keaton about that first episode in the living room, he wouldn't have known. So he wouldn't have known that anytime, like after that, he heard me get out of the bed to kind of be like semi-awake. He wouldn't have known that um, maybe he should start taking over certain points of the day when he comes home from work. He wouldn't have known if I never said anything. We have to be vulnerable with the person we are married to. They can't help us unless we ask for help. And of course, certain things are given. When you're, if you're home and you know I'm home all day, take up a damn diaper and change them. Like that's common sense. But I'm talking about with mental illnesses. They will not know unless we tell them. So we have to be as vulnerable as possible, especially in the first couple of months. Because a lot of those women that you hear, like this is something that I actually like research and watch documentaries. A lot of those women, they, they all, they, for me, when I watched it, they always said the same thing. My husband didn't know. My husband didn't know. And it and it, it's just mind-boggling to me that you went through all of this without, without even telling your spouse that, hey, I am struggling mentally with this. And if it wasn't for that, <clears throat> I don't know how I would made it in all three pregnancies. Like we have to be willing to be as vulnerable as possible with our spouses because they're essentially there not only to, you know, give us a hand, but to be there in the in the mess with us. Like we created this. You need to be here in the gutter with me. If I'm going to be living in the gutter, you're going to also be living in the gutter. That's how I look at it. Like we can only get out of the gutter if we're helping each other. Like I I there's there's no way around it. There's no way around it. I'm sorry if I'm losing sleep, you're going to have to also lose a bit of sleep too. Being at home with a child is not an easy job. And I get it. A lot of our spouses are working. Keaton was working too, <clears throat> but he understood. He understood that this is not an easy job either and any way that he can help. And I remember when I transitioned um, Malloy from breastfeeding to um, just straight up bottle feeding, which was the worst mistake of my life. But he would always say, just pump, put the milk in the fridge, uh, in the freezer, and then I would feed him every single time. I kid you not for the, we only, I think I only breastfed, um, pumped, uh, exclusively for maybe like, I want to say maybe two months. And during that two months, I think I only probably fed Malloy 
maybe two times when Keaton was home. Whenever Keaton was home and Malloy needed to be fed when he was taking the bottle, Keaton fed him. Not because he's like, oh, you know, this is the, the um, let me just do something in the meantime, between time. No, I think in Keaton's mind and from the conversations that I had with him, he's like, this is the least I can do. This is the least I can do. And there's too much times where um, people's spouses are not even doing the least. They're not even changing a diaper. They're not even doing the laundry. They're not even doing anything like that. And, I, and I'm very thankful that I have a partner that goes above and beyond in, in all aspects of this relationship. But especially like with postpartum, it was, it was definitely um, something that I'm always going to give uh, Keaton his flowers for. He, he was definitely there from the beginning to the end. And especially um, being depressed um, with Brielle, like being pregnant and depressed, he, sometimes he'd, he'd see it happening and he'd be, he would take the boys and just leave and I'd just be at home all day by myself. Like he was just like really good with that. And I think by by baby number three if we're not in sync where you could just pick up on certain things then I don't know what the hell we're doing in this marriage and I felt like he was very in sync in terms of like seeing certain things and just knowing how to move and um go forth with stuff um so I don't really have much more to say on this topic but I do want to encourage women who um maybe are pregnant right now and um, they've never experienced postpartum depression. Definitely lean on your spouse, uh, your community, um, and your healthcare provider. And I want—I—I I, I know I—I I haven't mentioned um, prayer, fasting, and um, you, you church community, but I—and I do want you guys to understand that that was definitely something that um, I relied on. But not I, I. But I'm not stupid, and I'm not stupid to believe that everyone that's li- listening is a Christian. So that's why I want to give uh, practical advice for for everyone that falls under um, that falls in the spectrum of of um, postpartum depression. Not everyone's a Christian. Not everyone believes in God. Not everyone relies on um, prayer and fasting to get through things. But if you are a Christian. Um, having a friend pray for you while you're going through this stuff, cause you might not be able to, uh, pray for yourself that, that, that's something that definitely helped me. I had so much people, especially in my first, um, pregnancy. I had a friend, I have a friend who has been pregnant with me three times. And honestly, I don't know where I would be without her. Um, we were pregnant together for the first time. We were not, um, my last pregnancy. We were also pregnant together and definitely my saving grace, um, in terms of like encouragement in the faith, um, and also in motherhood. So if you are a Christian, definitely surround yourself with women who can be transparent with you, can be open with you about their experience and, um, are willing to just sit there and pray with you. But if you're not a Christian, I definitely say rely on your spouse, rely on your healthcare provider, whether it be your midwife. Like I'm telling you, midwives are the greatest things. They give you resources and they help you without even like hesitating. Like um, I remember talking to my first midwife, even after, like I said, after I was discharged from her care, she was still willing to help. She was still like, when we met her up again, I think Malloy was six months, they kind of had like this... um, this meetup 
where they had all their past clients come, all their present and past past clients come for a little potluck thing. And even um, then she was just like, you know, like, are you okay? Is everything fine? Like, how are you doing? Is like, are you still feeling like postpartum depression? And I was just shocked because I'm just like, lady, I'm no longer in your care. But like, and I experienced that with all my midwives. Um, but yeah, your healthcare provider and also um, your family, that's something definitely to rely on because the saying that um, it takes a village to raise a child is very true very very true and why that happens because sometimes one child can be too much for two people um and that's where uh you rely on people around you um i hope that this uh episode was maybe not informative but encouraging that you know there is light at the end of the tunnel and i know when i was going through all of that it seemed like there was no light but there there is light um, I'm an example of it. Um, you can get through this. That That is the whole message of, of today. You can get through it. I understand that it's hard. I understand that um, it's definitely a roller coaster and a shock if you've never experienced depression before and this is your first um, experience with it. But there is light in the tunnel and there's also help at every corner every corner there's help and if you're not comfortable with talking to people that you're intimately close with dm me i i definitely don't mind helping and encouraging because i think this is something that we definitely need a platform for in christendom and i think that the plat the 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 materials are there and the space is open um but I don't think anyone's taking up that mantle. And it really sucks, especially in Christian, uh, uh, Caribbean um, Christian churches. It's, it's It definitely sucks. We kind of just like brush over it. But I think that kind of mentality has to stop, especially when you're forcing marriage and kids down every woman's throat. Um, <laughs> it's definitely something that needs to be talked about. But once again, um, thank you for being here and entertaining me with your audience. Um, as always, be good, be safe, um, and thank